Here to entertain you once again, Gary Niemig, Tulsa World Sports columnist, along with my friend Eli Letterman. I don't know what to call him any longer. <laughs> um, he, let's just put it this way. Eli, Eli is serving a lot of needs right now. Um, he's wrapping up his work as our OSU beat writer, transitioning to the uh, University of Oklahoma beat with uh, Eric Bailey. He's doing a little bit of, uh, of double dipping right now. Um, so this, this could be a farewell Eli Letterman podcast, uh, vidcast. Or maybe, you know, we, we may run it right through next year. Uh, we'll have to see. Well, Do you have any thoughts on what? You tell the people what's going on, Eli. I'm speaking for you. Well, I'm nursing like a strained hammy because I've got my feet stretched in both camps. I'm, I'm in Stillwater. I'm coming to you from Stillwater, but I've been doing some work down in Norman. So it's kind of a lot. It's a stretch. It's a bit of a stretch. And I, I don't know. It's, it, I'm feeling it a little bit. But, yeah, right now I'm, I'm sort of in between, moving, making my way toward transitioning onto the OU beat and, and linking up with Eric Bailey and Norman. But as I said, coming to you from Stillwater still, um, and, and still doing a little bit of work on OSU and, and, uh, yeah. and kind of, I don't know, closing out my time on, on this end of the beat. But, um, that, that's the story this spring is, uh, kind of feet in both camps. Kelly Hines will be taking the baton from you. We should mention that very capable hands. Uh, the beat will be, uh, moving forward and, uh, before we break down anything you saw or heard in Stillwater this week, a reminder that you can catch our uh, videos on TulsaWorld.com every week. Hear the podcast version, courtesy of Google, Apple, or Spotify. Thank you so much for downloading our products, no matter what kind of show uh, we put out and whatever the, the topic might be. Uh, you you were in uh, you were at the Sherman Smith Indoor Facility for Mike Gundy's first availability of this spring, and we'll talk about Pro Day here in a second. Another. Cowboy issues, but we should probably start with the CEO of the uh, the football program. He seemed to be in a pretty good mood, Eli, uh, on Tuesday. I maybe still riding the wave off the uh, off what he called the most important, biggest school victory in uh, or victory in school history, the Fiesta Bowl comeback against Notre Dame. Whatever it was, whether he loved that experience a lot or he loves the look of the 2022 Cowboys, he was a willing participant with us and uh, was was raring to go. I think he might have just been thrilled to see Garen Emick's face here in Stillwater. He was, well, isn't, he, isn't everyone? That's, I mean, that's how I feel every time you show up. And, and I think, <laughs> you know, he, he certainly was chipper. That's a good, good way of putting it. And it's hard to believe that it's been two and a half, three months since we were out in Arizona for the Fiesta Bowl wrapping up. Um, and here we are now with the 2022 season kind of begins here in the spring. And I think there's plenty for Mike Gundy to be optimistic about and, and excited about. He's got a new defensive coordinator in Derek Mason, and by all accounts, he's settling in quite well. We know Derek Mason's got a job to do here in terms of kind of filling some holes on this defense that was so good year, a year ago, but is missing so many of those key players. Uh, and on offense, I, I think there has to be some added security coming into a season with a fourth-year quarterback like Spencer Sanders, who, who showed us in the Fiesta Bowl just what he could do. Um, and, and having him at the head of an offense that, that has some things to figure out, I and mean, there's plenty of pass-catching options, but there's no Tay Martin. There's no Tylen Wallace, I don't think, in there that we know of yet. Uh, and, and things to be figured out at, at running back and on the O-line. But Mike Yundi was, was all smiles, and, and he was pretty long-winded uh, in, in being willing to, to chat on, on Tuesday. And as is always the case with Gundy, the questions range from on the field to off. I asked the follow-up about his ever, you know, his ever curious relationship with his administration. Uh, well, it's it's not so much curious anymore, Eli, as you know how just how how much has the flower bloomed 
Uh, we got the we got the sense last year during the course of the season that he was uh, sort of invigorated maybe by the change of uh, president and athletic director at the university, Chad Weiberg and Casey Shrum taking over full full time in Chad's case for uh, Mike Holder. And the good vibes that sort of hovered over Gundy over the course of last season off the field, safe to say they, they continue based on, on his response to, to what we were asking him. Yeah, I mean, it seems like he, he's felt like he's been back and that's what he was calling for all of last season. I think it probably all goes back to, to the Big 12 changing and, and seizing this moment. And then that was helped on by one of the best seasons Mike Gundy's ever had here. This is the time for them to pounce and to build. And, and it seems like he's pretty pleased with, with what he's gotten so far. I mean, spoke about financials in terms of backing, you know, a lot of the backroom people that we don't know, the people that, that run things inside the team facility, that those people have been taken care of. Speaking about maybe some facilities upgrades. And then when you think about the fact that Derek Mason is here making $1.1 million, that's more than any assistant has made uh, under Mike Gundy. And, and that's after, you know, it was rumored that they were willing to, to go there and then some for Jim Knowles to keep him here. So Mike Gundy's got to be feeling like he, he's getting the support he needs. And, and maybe that's why he's got a little bit of a, a spring in his step uh, as, as things get started. Yeah, the way you put it later in the conversation was if I need it and I need and I tell Chad Weiberg I need it, Chad says we'll get it. Uh, the, 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 you know, about what Gundy is, where he says he's drawing the line is I'm not abusing that. Uh, and I'm not running up a, a necessarily a front office of, of you know, two to 300 guys yet. Uh, I, don't, I don't have analysts on top of analysts, and yet you, you still have to keep up. Um, they may not be going to the SEC, Oklahoma State, but uh, just from a Power 5 level, you do have to do what is necessary to, to sort of uh, keep up in the so-called arms race. Again, arms race used to be a term we used to describe the facilities when it came to college football, I, that is, I think that's morphed into staff and support staff and uh, off the field uh, player personnel, for lack of a better term. And, uh, and it sounds like Weiberg is giving Gundy what he needs. All right. So that was Tuesday. Thursday was um, a sort of trip back to the past, the recent past is uh, I think 13 was the number 12 or 13 Cowboys worked out for NFL personnel back at the indoor facility and in the weight room. Uh, get it, and you got a sense, Eli, from that. I know you were you were Norman that day, but if but for those who attended, got a sense of what n does need to be replaced in terms of the 2022 Cowboys. You had Devin Harper working out alongside Malcolm Rodriguez. You had Colby Harville Peel out there with Trey Sterling. You had uh, Jalen Warren. You had Tay Martin, skill guys, go to guys for Spencer Sanders, and so uh, not to mention their most uh, touted offensive lineman in Josh Sills. Um, Gundy may like his 2022 team and it has sees a lot of potential, but uh, just a stark reminder uh, of uh, not just the potential of those guys in the NFL Thursday, but in, in just how much work needs to be done to fill those holes. It really is. I mean, it's like looking in the mirror and realizing, you know, what this team has lost since that Fiesta Bowl. I mean, that a comeback like that is made possible by guys like Malcolm Rodriguez and Devin Harper and by Jalen Warrens. And those are, are guys that could be on this roster. You might have your next. Trey Sterling or Kobe Harvell Peel, but at this point, you know, late March, early in spring camp, we don't know who those guys are. And so those, those are the reminders. And um, it seems as though those, some of those guys did, did pretty well yesterday um, in, in front of, I think what, 28 of the 32 teams were represented. They're about. And I mean, I think, you know, the, the focus, anytime Malcolm Rodriguez is anywhere, he's going to grab the headlines. But I think since 
um, since that Fiesta Bowl. I mean, he's been, he was in Arizona working out, went to the NFL draft combine and, and answered some questions about his speed. And then yesterday, I couldn't believe what I saw, what he did on the bench. Uh, I think he hit some kind of record with 36 reps on the bench press. And so it seemed as though another banner day for him. Yeah. And uh, it's something that it's funny. You, you almost asked the same question to every cowboy who, pe- who appeared in front of cameras and tape recorders afterwards. And that is what do you have to prove? Uh, Oklahoma state did not get a lot of combine invites despite the success on the field a year ago, certainly paled in numbers to the, you know, the traditional blue bloods of, of college football. And so what, if, if, if every OSU player carries a chip on his shoulder through his career, right, under Mike Gundy, more of the three-star camp than the four- to five-star yeah. camp, that sort of mindset continues, I think, in, in pursuit of, of NFL opportunity. And if anyone should maybe have a chip on their shoulder, it's, it's Devin Harper. And mm-hmm. I, I, from the sound of it and from everything I saw, he might have had the best day of anybody yesterday. And, and that's a guy who, I mean, Mike Gundy referenced it on Tuesday, who didn't really get his shot and maybe should have, uh, until this past season, when he did, he really grabbed it. And as much as Malcolm Rodriguez, you know, jumping up the record books and tackles and, and really being the heart of that defense, uh, you know, w- w- was the guy people focused on. Right next to him, Devin Harper was was maybe just as key to the defense a year ago. Um, and he didn't get a combine invite when he probably should have. He was one of those guys I think people felt was snubbed. And so he had a chance yesterday, I think, to prove himself and, and maybe came in with a chip on his shoulder. And well, Mal- Malcolm Rodriguez, the, the questions around him are not what he can really do as a tackler, but his size, his speed, all that, those really aren't questions for Devin Harper. He's built like an NFL linebacker. And so I think for him to to get that shot at pro day, do what he did in front of the scouts, it was big. And I'd hope a guy like him can can get a shot because I think he, he's got a lot of the, the skill um, to maybe make an impact at the next level. For sure. All right. Let's, uh, let's put basketball season away officially. Mike Boynton, we know, I guess, as of today, uh, and I think it's pretty, what, 90, 95 percentile chance now that we can say he'll be on the uh, on the bench in Gallagher-Ivan next year. There was always a speculation about South Carolina, the alma mater. That filled since we last talked with uh, the Gamecocks going a different direction, the mid-major route, route, right? They ended up hiring Chattanooga's coach. Is that right? Lisa Lamont Paris. Yeah. Uh, one of us probably should have looked that up before we got on here. But. Yeah, we're going to go with Chattanooga. Uh, <laughs> well, it's at Boynton. Maybe that's, you know, that's the important thing. So he's back unless something crazy happens. Um, the roster is still in flux. We have, I guess, uh, uh, we have some finality to the Boone Twins situation, correct, though? What's, what's going yeah, on I mean, with the, the, Kalen? The, the news around OSU basketball this week has been, you know, one Boone in, one Boone out. Keelan Boone uh, on Monday entered the transfer portal, and, and there had been some speculation there. It was telling that uh, over the final 10-ish games of the season, I mean, he struggled even to just get off the bench. Um, and, and, you know, Mike Boynton was sort of just – he was vague on it, saying, you know, he needed to do the things in practice and away from the court to, to earn his time, and, and that Woody Newton had surpassed him. Um, so, so the writing maybe was on the wall, but he's now in the transfer portal. But a couple of days later, and I guess when Keelan goes somewhere – people at least wonder, does Caleb follow? I mean, the, the twins, if you yeah. see him anywhere on campus, they are inseparable. Uh, but Caleb Boone has you know, made his announcement that he plans to be back. And I think that's a, a big boost for the Cowboys. It basically keeps them taken care of at their interior big positions. You've got Musa Cisse coming back, Tyreek Smith. The expectation is, is he's one of the guys who's certainly going to be back. And you bring back Keelan Boone, or excuse me, Caleb Boone, and you've got 
you know, you're taking care of, especially on the defensive end inside. So that's a plus for Mike Boynton. And as much as his roster is kind of in flux now, he doesn't have a whole lot of space to add. I think there's only one or two scholarship spots he can take care of. And, and that's with the scholarship reductions that he's got to worry about the next few years. Uh, and so as, as Mike Boynton talks about adding a point guard, adding shooting, the space on that roster may be a, a bit limited. So he's got some work to do there. And we have a new women's basketball coach as of Monday afternoon. I think that was that Monday. Correct. That was this week, wasn't it? Uh, J.C. Hoyt from, is it, UMKC. did they still call it UMKC? Or is UMKC, it just? UMKC, the Ruse. What are the, the best nicknames in college basketball, I would argue, is the Ruse of UMKC. And she arrives uh, wearing orange, which was, I guess, her first uh, step literally in the right direction. If you're mm-hmm. going to be hired to coach basketball at Oklahoma State, you got to have a finely tailored orange uh, outfit. And she 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 looked apart. Let's put it that way at Gallagher Island on Monday. She's known for her sneaker game, and then showed up in a in an orange blazer. She's given Mike Boynton a run for his money right off the bat. Um, but I, I do think there's there's some excitement there to be had in bringing in. A young coach, I think it was noted early on and after Jim Littell uh, and, and the university sort of mutually agreed to part ways that, you know, there, there's not a woman head coach uh, at any of the schools here, here at, or excuse me, any of the programs here at Oklahoma State. And as much as Chad Weiberg spoke about not limiting his pool, I think that was an important element of it. Uh, and, and now Oklahoma State women's basketball has a young head coach who, who, who executed a pretty impressive turnaround at UMKC. Uh, in charge and I, I think it's it's kind of that right time we, we saw what uh what's gone down at OU in terms of their turnaround uh with the women's basketball program and I think that you know like it or not should be the blueprint for for JC Hoyt and, and the cowgirls now must be nice this weekend you going to watch any softball or baseball or the I will be I'll be at both ballparks at some point Got they're, both, they're both home both home yeah baseball team winners of their last eight uh hosting Kansas, your Jayhawks, okay. to get things started. And then uh, over at Cowgirls Stadium, uh, you know, Texas Tech here, and the Cowgirls have won four straight. And really, I think the big storyline there is Miranda Ellish the last two, three weeks after a rocky start, and who could blame her after a year away from softball? She's beginning to look like that National Player of the Year kind of pitcher. She's throwing two no-hitters in the last two weeks, and that's where I think the Cowgirls can become scary as it you got Kelly Maxwell pitching like that and Miranda Ellish pitching mm-hmm. like she has. I think that's what Kenny Gajewski envisioned when, when he had his sights on the College World Series this year. Yeah, you know they're going to hit, right? It's just a matter of what uh, Ellish and Maxwell do to support what is a, a, a potent offense for, uh, for OSU. All right, uh, before we go, you want to break down the uh, zero a zero result last night at Azteca? Not much to break down. I don't know what the highlight reel would have looked like if they released one. It was uh, a... a I don't know, craptastic? How do you want to set a cero in Mexico? But U.S. men get, I guess, an important, a crucial point, what could be a crucial point. Had opportunities, as we both lamented, communicating last night to, yeah. to maybe get all three points and get a yeah. win. But uh, the U.S. men lived to fight another day and lived to make us anxious for at least another few days. A friend of mine uh, texted me and said, uh, look, I can't remember feeling in my life this conflicted. We get out of Mexico with a tie and a point, and yet I feel sort of upset. (laughs) 
And so maybe that's the, the raised bar when it comes to the uh, U.S. men's national team, right? I guess. I, I guess so. But man, what a bright light Gio Reyna was for about 30 minutes. Yeah. There. And that one run that Greg Berhalter, you see who he compared it to? I did not. Let, let me hear it. Well, at the Azteca, one Diego Armando Maradona once had a very similar run. Oh, it, those are lo- it's a lofty comparison, but I think given the setting and man, if he could finish that off, that would have been uh, one for the for the books as well. And but if Gio Reyna can even scrape, I don't know the floor that of Diego Maradona uh, would be just fine here in the U.S. I didn't need to know that, man. I- <laughs> I love Reina. I'm a big Dortmund guy. You know this. I don't know how many of the listeners know or care, but so I, I was, I was fired up to see him healthy again and mattering again, but I, I'm not sure I would have tossed out look like Maradona against England in the 1986 world. Yeah, Cup. It, was, it was lofty. Oh, Maybe, all right. Like you so, said, we're setting the bar high now. All right. So uh, match day two is uh, out of this grouping is Sunday, right? Against, Sunday. And that's the big one. That's the one they need three. Indeed. Need a three, need a three point win against Panama to feel pretty secure about things. So, um, can you imagine what it's like in Italy today? Oof. Well, actually, we can because we were there in 2018. <laughs> and it got, but uh, knock on wood, we're not going to watch our national team do it two cycles in a row, oh. missing out on the World Cup in in pretty rough fashion. My goodness. Well, on that happy note, um, have a good have a good weekend at the ball yards, plural, Eli. And uh, I hope to do this again with you. I don't. It may be on this pod. It may be on Oklahoma's. It may be you and I just start our own uh, knockoff of, on um, men and blazers or uh, or some other. Go. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking I'm, soccer with Garen and Eli. We should probably look, the yeah. world. We should look into that. We should look into that. All right. Thanks for a lot uh, listening slash watching, folks. And we will be back to uh, to do this again soon.